Well, tell you what, this morning we are beginning our fast, and I pray that you're seeking the Lord early in this morning. We'll see what happens at the end of the day. But this morning I want to talk to you about our Unstoppable series. So uh, I invite you to take your Bible and turn the, to the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to come from three sections in Mark this morning, and uh, we're going to look at some unstoppable people, some miracles, wh what they did. Uh, this morning, as I'm thinking about just uh, what, what's the dominant word, today's dominant word, I'd write it somewhere in your worship guide, expectant. Just being expectant. I ask you to bring your limitations and your expectations to the Lord. What are you expecting God to do in 2012? It's when we're doing a fast because we're believing that we have a mighty God and we want to follow his word and we're believing that we can become unstoppable agents when we follow Jesus Christ. And in this fast, we're just trying to seek him extra time and intensely and pursue him while he will. The Bible says if you seek the Lord, he will be found. And the church said, but you have to seek him. It's an active pursuit of getting to know him better. Uh, today, there's a message truth right there across the top. I want you to look at it with me. Matter of fact, I think it's going to maybe come up here because i got to. Unstoppable people possess an expectant faith. There's that word. And to know what is impossible for us is possible for God. Now, this is an amazing truth. This truth even speaks to me and you about the fast right now. i got to tell you, right now, in the flesh, I mean, we just got started, no big deal. About week, about week seven. About week seven, I'd be leaving. Okay, about... Uh, about day seven, about day 14, as this thing endures, it gets a little harder, although the first few days might get the hardest getting off sugar and caffeine. I don't know. But God will supply what we need. How many believe that God is able to do what we can't do for ourselves and he can supply what we need? Yeah, if you're not convinced of that, then i got a bigger problem. we got, we got to figure another angle. But unstoppable people, they possess that expectant faith. And there's just some stories as I was reading through the Gospel of Mark that have just intrigued me. I, I want you to turn to the fifth chapter of Mark first. Will you do that with me? Chapter 5 in Mark. In verse 21 through 34, I want you to hear these words. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. And then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he, plead, he uh, fell at his feet and he pleaded fervently with him, My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. And Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. Verse 25, I want you to see this. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. And she'd heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd, and she touched his robe. And for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman trembled at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering 
is over. I've read this story a number of time, times over the last three decades. Read it a number of times this week. It was amazing that Passion 2012, Beth Moore took this passage and did an incredible message. I might even share a few things from her. I, I want to give her credit there, but she makes a point, and I agree. When you talk about this, this blood issue, this blood disorder, it makes all of you feel a little different, awkward, odd. So let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Is that okay? I mean, I'm sitting there reading about it. It's like, the woman's having a blood issue. Very well is probably her menstrual deal. Her, her, man, she was messed up. I mean, she was just bleeding. She was considered unclean. And right now, some of us are reading through the Bible, and I've been reading the most exciting book, not Leviticus. Yesterday, I was just enduring through Leviticus, and the church that joined me said, well, not many of you are doing it. If you did, you would have said, amen. Because we got through Leviticus, we're going on to Numbers, we're going on to New Ground. Okay, but, but here it is, there's, there, there's even a passage there about all the infirmities and the sins, and, and, and if this person's this, and they're unclean, and what they need to do, I mean, it's just a whole litany there. But Beth said this, and I want you to write it down, I thought it was so good. This woman's infirmity shows us the greatest need for healing is intensely private. There's no doubt, this woman's issue was a private thing. I mean, she would probably cringe this morning if she thought, they're talking about me and my issue. But listen to what Beth says. I love this. We are as sick as our secrets. You see, one of the things that's been happening at Christ community since the beginning is people have been finding healing, restoration, refuge, forgiveness, grace. And in this past year of 2011, we started a recovery group, and, and that's growing, and that's turned into another recovery group. And people are finding that their secrets have held them and bound them long enough, and they've declared, I am not going to be a captive or a prisoner. I'm going to be free in my Savior. And people around this place are beginning to walk in new freedoms. And I think the woman today, if she came to us, because I don't have her name, she would say, freedom. Now, Jairus was a, a synagogue ruler Big guy, big title, important. But in this story, I already see that Jesus already distinguishes. It doesn't matter. You can have a title, you can have an education, you can have wealth, you can be born in this country or whatever, but I have come for those that are sick and need a doctor. And Jesus dealt with this woman and he gave her hope. He gave her healing. Man, I, I get so encouraged. He he, he helps both of them, and one of the things came to me. Jesus is no respecter of persons. Is anybody glad about that this morning? He's no respecter. An incurable affliction, disappointment off the chart. And this woman had heard the Messiah, the miracle workers over there. If I just get to him, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch his robe, Something will happen. And it's kind of funny when you see in there, who touched me? You know, the disciples are a little slow. Can we just tell it like it is? Who touched me? And they're going, Jesus, look, there's masses everywhere you go. They're all bumping into you. No, somebody, somebody touched me. You know, somebody touched me. Power was released. Supernatural power. Now, this woman's ceremonially unclean, unclean, but yet 
Jesus has compassion. In the Old Testament, if you go and read Leviticus, which I've been doing, and it talks about if you do this and you got to go get purified and you got to do this and you got to wait seven days and you got to do this and it's just, oh my, you just get tired. And legalism can begin to abound. You know what I see here in the scripture? Jesus trumped legalism and the church said, I mean, I don't know about you. If you want to be a legalist, then have at it. But I don't want to be around you too much, okay? Suffering and pain were her plight, plight in life. But she overcomes because she reaches through. So what, is, what does it say to us here? She simply does this. She was spiritually unclean. Now, she was physically, ceremonially unclean. The scripture's quick to point out and to be clear about. But she was defiled. There was this constant bleeding. She was treated is like a leper. And if you know anything about the scriptures and, and the lepers, and they would yell out, unclean, unclean. I mean, can you imagine walking into a situation, into a crowded room, and before you got there, unclean, unclean. I mean, that is a great way to clear a crowd. I, I remember when AIDS came on the scene, and we didn't know a lot about it. And people that had contracted AIDS or had the AIDS virus, HIV, I got a little uncomfortable. Now, nobody ever said, AIDS, AIDS. But if I knew or if I suspected, I was a little uncomfortable. Is anybody else in the house a little uncomfortable when it first hit? Okay, well, the rest of you are lying. Okay, anyway. I mean, it was just, just, just different. And, and here, I think she goes, you, can, you know, you can't be unclean enough to mess Jesus up. He can... He cannot make a mess. You can't make a mess of him. He is clean and pure and righteous and holy enough for us all. And we can come to him in our mess, in our muck, in our shame, in our guilt, in our sin. And Jesus is okay with it. I like that. That is awesome. Because I can come just like I am. And you can come like you are. You don't, you don't have to, you know, that's what I like about it. You don't have to clean up to come to Jesus. You come as you are, broken and tattered and bruised and messed up. And you bring it to Jesus. And he welcomes you. The ones he doesn't welcome are those that are pious and righteous and full of themselves and prideful. So what, what does it show us here? I, I want you to see this with me. The touch, now this touch is, is a supernatural touch, heals individually. This touch caused the healing of Jesus upon her life. It was an individual thing. And I just think about you and I this morning. Have you had the individual touch of Jesus? Now, this isn't just a salvation touch. That's the beginning. But there might be a need. At the end of this service today, I pray we're going to have a time where people can come and be prayed over, and there's a touch of Jesus on their life. The next thing is, she is noticed. She's noticed by the Messiah. She's noticed by Jesus. And i got good news for you and me. You're noticed this morning. Jesus knows right where you live. He knows your zip code. He knows your sin. He knows your shame. He knows your junk. And he still loves you. Matter of fact, he's pretty crazy about you. And he's just inviting you to come. And then the other thing is, this woman, what does she get? She gets blessed. I don't know about you, but I want the blessing of God. She's spiritually, she's physically, she's ceremonially unclean. And she comes to Jesus, and she gets spiritually whole. She she gets forgiven. So, you know, I don't know this morning, maybe there's images you looked at this week that you shouldn't have looked at. Maybe there's deeds that you did this week that you know were sinful and against the majesty of heaven. But don't be like the Pharisees. 
be like this woman just come and press in the the bad you know there's bad news here the bad news is we're all guilty and shameful and have messed up good news is he welcomes us just as we are he welcomes us as daughters and his sons and and um, don't let the unworthiness of your actions stop you from coming to jesus just go pr- press in the, the sin go to jesus don't hide under a rock the, the thing is, let it be a trigger to say, Jesus, I need you. I, I need your touch. I, I, I need your power in my life. The, the woman, she let nothing stand in the way of her healing. But here's what I love. Jesus had what? He had more than she expected. She was going for a physical healing. That's pretty big when you've been bleeding for 12 years and you've been... You, you, you know, you, you, let me say this, guys. You, you don't realize this woman has not been to church. She's not been to the living room. She's not been to the synagogue for 12 years. She hasn't really been around people because she was considered unclean. Did you even know from Levitical code, if she went, this is so sad. I know this because I've been studying this. If she went and sat in this chair on this stage, now this stage was considered unclean. Everything she touched was unclean. I want you to feel the gravity of what this woman felt. So she goes to Jesus. Purity. Holiness. And she touches through to him. And they make contact. And she becomes whole. Physically. But she was more than physically. She becomes spiritually whole. Oh man, it's, it's a beautiful scene. Faith and action. Faith in Jesus write this somewhere in your notes faith in jesus releases power faith in jesus not faith in prayer not faith in the fast what prayer and the fast is puts us in position it moves us it points us to him but when we touch jesus and jesus touches us power is released oh i pray for power power in these days to be released supernaturally but i want to go back to something i said early do you expect power to be released? See, I'm expecting the power of God to come on my life, on my preaching, on my life, on you as a people of God in supernatural, off-the-chart ways in these three weeks that we are marked for eternity and we're never the same because I'm expecting God to do a greater work what I cannot do but what he can so do. Amen? Are you believing God for that? Oh, I believe. Oh, I believe, Pastor. Well, I hope you do. Let's look at another one. Mark 10. Turn over a few chapters. <clears throat> now, I love this one. I preached this in Mexico about him. Not what I'm going to tell you, but I love this. Jesus heals the blind man Bartimaeus. In the Spanish, they go, Bartimeo, Bartimeo. I love this story. Now, let's look at it. Verse 46. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus son of Timaeus was sitting beside the road and when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby he began to shout Jesus son of David have mercy on me be quiet shh shh many of the people yelled at him but he only shouted louder son of David have mercy on me and when Jesus heard him I mean who couldn't hear him he stopped and said Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. He jumped up and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. 
my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. See, this, this story, he's a, he's a disappointment. He's a, he's a nuisance. Man, the disciples, you know, the guys are like, man, come on. Man, Jesus is busy. Man, there's this beggar. And, you know, he's got a need. He's yelling. He's, he's trying, to shush, trying to shush him to, to death. You know, he didn't want him to, didn't want him to get his miracle. He just wants him to leave Jesus along. And, 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 and the Bible says that there were two beggars sitting there, but only one had the passion and the expectancy to do something. He, he, he leaned in. They tried to silence this guy. Now, I want you to think about that. The world is trying to silence you and me this morning. They don't want us to stand for Jesus. They don't want us to be a mouthpiece for the glory of God. They would do everything to try to, I mean, right now, and I'll probably talk about him over the next few weeks, but i got to just tell you guys, Tim Tebow, they have tried to silence this man over and over, but he would know none of it. Hallelujah. He wanted to worship. I mean, this is a man that has integrity, that loves the Lord Jesus Christ and glorifies him, does not do drugs, does not run around having sex with women and doing all this crazy stuff. He honors God and the world has tried to attack him. They want to silence him. The other day I was listening to a sports thing, which I don't do much of, but I was on the elliptical, and I listened to this thing, and it was amazing. The commentators go, we hate him, we like him, we hate him, we like him, we don't want to talk about him, but we must talk about him. I thought it was hilarious. Now, I understand they choked last night. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to catch the game. I hate that. I was hoping David, uh, God's boy David named Tim was going to come through and do something, just another miraculous. But the point is, the world tries to silence you and I. And beggars had little hope of escaping their degrading style of life. But not Bartimaeus. He was unstoppable. He, he was going for a miracle. He, he, he cried out, son of David, and he, he wanted a miracle. And he, he, he attempted, and he did get Jesus' attention. I was meeting with my small group that night, and we were doing a different miracle that we're not talking about today. And the scripture says, Lord, help me. I remember the night I came to Jesus Christ. Next Sunday morning, it'll be 34 years ago. And this was my simple prayer. Jesus, have mercy on me. I didn't know the Lord. I didn't know any God talk. I didn't know what a sinner's prayer was. I didn't know any of that stuff. I just said, Jesus, have mercy on me. I remember the day that I stumbled across these verses and I found how pure they were. That's where we all started in the church. Jesus, have mercy on me. And Bartimaeus cries out for a miracle and he gets it. But I, I want you to see a couple of things here. There's a, a, a social inappropriateness. Well, did I go ahead of that? Did I, I just got, yeah, let's go back one. Here we, here, oh. Why don't we just get a headache? Here we go. All right. See, it was socially inappropriate to cry out and to do all these things, but he didn't care. And sometimes we do some things that seem not quite right, but Jesus calls us to go for him and to seek him and to pursue him. And, you know, I'm reminded of the story in the Old Testament, and uh, I think Matt Redman wrote a song, Undignified, how, remember when David got chastised for dancing by his wife? You see what happened to her? She became childless. She couldn't have children for chastising her man. 
I mean, sometimes we, we just have to go for it. We boldly cry out. That's, I want you to write that down. Boldly cry out to Jesus. That, that's what Bartimaeus teaches me. He just cries out to God. I mean, he's a beggar. He's blind. He, he, he needs something. But the next thing that I went ahead and showed you here is his expectant faith stopped Jesus. Jesus stopped dead in his track. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. Do you know that same cry this morning stops Jesus? Same cry. When you and I cry to the God of heaven, he stops. I'm humbled by that. Creator, redeemer, friend, my declaration for him moves him. He calls him rabbi. It's a, it's a sign of basically saying, Jesus, your master, I want to trust you. And he, and he runs and, and this cry stops. But I want you to move to this one with me because I want us to move somewhere. In Mark, turn over to Mark with me now. Chapter 2. Let's turn over there together. We're just right here in the Gospel of Mark this morning, just kind of reading some of these verses together. And maybe you'll go back later and spend some more time here. I hope you will. Now here's, here's another one. Got a condition. Needs a miracle. Needs a touch. Jesus heals the paralyzed man, the paralytic. When Jesus returned to Capernaum in verse 1, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, well, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up and pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, go home. And then the Bible says the man did what? He jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we never seen anything like this before. It's paralytic. This paralytic needs something. It's paralytic. But let me tell you the, the story about this. The, the woman there, she has an issue and she presses through. But in this particular story, this paralytic's not doing anything. This paralytic's paralyzed. I mean, this paralytic's just, he, he just, he's just there. Getting no tragic, uh, no, no traction. He's just, he, he's just kind of frozen. But what, what I love about it is that Jesus looks up. Jesus is, let's get it, Jesus is in a house and he's teaching. Now, people are just sitting around him and they're seeing his spit bubbles. I don't know if Jesus spit, so don't write me, okay? But anyway, but let's just say he had spit bubbles. And, and man, people are everywhere and they're poking through the windows and, and people are outside. Man, and they got their, because these four guys, they go and they get their paralytic friend because they know the miracle that the Messiah, that Jesus is in the house. And they can't get him through. So the, the, if, if you study this, they go outside and there's a stairwell and they, they carry him up the steps and they go on the roof. And the roof was probably flat. And whatever it was, you know, a couple questions come to my mind. After they dug the hole is, who's going to pay for this mess? You know, I mean, that's just, how many of you thought about that? I mean, who's, hey, hey, the man's house is going to leak now, okay? But they go through and all they know is they got to get this 
paralytic, this friend to Jesus. So they, they start digging and, 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 and excavating that thing and tearing it up. And they finally cut a hole. And, and then all of a sudden, I mean, Jesus, I mean, can't you see it? I mean, this morning, I wish you know, we just couldn't afford to do this. But I, I, I've often wondered, maybe one day if we redo this building, we'll have a message on that. And all of a sudden, wouldn't it be something? That's a chainsaw. And could you see a chainsaw and, and steel cutters? And, and I'm sitting there preaching my heart out and all that. Who do you think you're going to turn attention to? Man, there's a helicopter or something crazy on top of this building. And all of a sudden, there's these four guys, and they got a ropes, and they're lay, lowering the man down. I mean, guys, we just get so sanctified. We go, oh, yeah, Jesus healed the paralytic. This is big stuff. I mean, so here, here comes this man suspended in there. He's just coming out. Wow. But you know what? This guy, it's, it's not this guy's faith. It's the friend's faith. The friend's. That's what this story's about. It's about the friend's believed in Jesus. They, they had great faith. So uh, th this, this kingdom here, I mean, there's hospitality, there's loving, there's healing for the outsider. But what I would say is this right here. I want you to see this with me. Oh, man, there's somebody already got ahead of me. I'm telling you, I'm having a hard time today, but that's okay. I blame it on no uh, sugar. All right. Don't, yeah, already. Don't let the personal, emotional, or spiritual paralysis stop you. See, there are people right now that hear my voice, you're emotionally paralyzed. You have been for a while. Or you're uh, personally, by your situation, your circumstances, you're paralyzed. Or spiritually, man, you're, you're dead or you've just gone to sleep and God wants to wake you up. But there, there's a principle here that I just get thrilled about. Th this, this is the church. Now, I want you to hear this. This is the church. You see, I have great faith, and some of you figured that out. And I can believe God for incredible things, but I have times. But some of you, maybe you have little faith or you have something, and you need a friend to help you. And you need somebody that's going to pick you up because, man, you can't seem to get there, and you're just struggling. But if somebody could just come, if somebody could just come to your aid, if somebody could just pick you up and just take you in the direction of Jesus, you could be okay. This is the story of the church. The church is supposed to get people that are outside the walls this morning, and our city is filled with people that need to hear this message, and we need to be their friends. And here's a question. Are you that kind of friend? Oh, we all got people in our lives right now that we need to go get because they're not able to come here on their own. See, I don't understand it. I'm an extrovert. I love people. I go into restaurants, and I just start talking about how their day and how their life, and I just like it. And some people are like, that just freaks me out. And I know there are people that come into this church, and they come back here, and they want the chairs to be here. They want to get so close to the door, they don't want to come near the light. And we just need to be bringing people in here and helping them. And some of them, and, and if I give an altar call, they're like, altar. Man, they're backing up. Wish I could do the moonwalk. Wouldn't that be cool? There ain't no way. But you know what I'm going to invite you to do today? Bold step. But we're in a stoppable series. I'm going to invite some of you to take your friends in a few minutes by the hand and bring them to God's altar. And that could maybe begin their healing. But I don't want the message to die here. I want us to be thinking about people in our community that are paralyzed. And can we be a good friend? 
that can help them. I mean, I, I've read this story, and when I, when I begin to see here, the remarkable thing is uh, they had friends who could pick them up. They were, write this down, faithful. Faith-full. They were full of faith. They were full of faith for their friend. Sometimes when we get so weak, we need somebody to believe for us and with us. And then we begin sometimes to see spiritual breakthroughs. And in this fast, I'm believing that we're going to um, see greater works and greater miracles. And some are going to go for spiritual healing and some won't go for it. But will we decide to be unstoppable agents of the Most High God, ambassadors for Christ? So here he is in, in this story. They start digging through the roof. I ask you and I, what are we digging for? Are we digging for our friends? Are we being persistent? Are we hanging in there so somehow they can get to Jesus? But then there's a question here. What stops you? What stops you from bringing your friend to Christ, the paralyzed person, the person that has no hope? Fear? Don't know what to say? Not concerned enough? I, I don't know. Then the next question is this. What do you want Jesus to do? I mean, there's that question it says what do you want me to do for you i don't know what do you want jesus to do what are you asking jesus for um, i mean there is an amazing opportunity here just to see jesus come do you have a friend that you can bring this morning 